Welcome to Step Into the Story, incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Welcome to Step Into the Story. Each time we get together, we have a conversation with a special guest and we explore the intersection of God's story and their story. Of course, this isn't just to learn about somebody else. This is really to set up the opportunity for each of us as we listen to to look for the points of contact with our own personal stories and God's story. And I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Sandra McCracken, welcome to Step Into the Story. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Well, for those of you who may know Sandra a little bit or or not at all. Um, Sandra, you are described as a singer-songwriter uh, currently living in, in Nashville. And um, I love the way that your style is described. It's not just one genre, but it's, it's, a, it's a blend of folk and gospel, and, um, but also with the deep roots of the hymn tradition and a lot of weaving together with scripture. That's sure a topic mm-hmm. that we wanna begin to explore in a little bit. But let's go, let's go back in time. How does a person come to be doing what you're doing now? I mean, what is the <laughs> what is the career path for that? Not only to be a uh, a musician, a singer, songwriter, but but really gifted writer as well. We'll be talking about that some. But but take us mm-hmm. back to the early days. I know you grew up in St. Louis. I grew up in Central Illinois, so not far away. Yeah. I was always a Cardinal fan yeah. and. We made a lot of trips <laughs> to St. Louis, uh, but but sketch out for us kind of the the earliest memories that you have of childhood and and just your growing up years. Well, I I think um, yes, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and I love that question because I do think who we are is so deeply rooted in where we're from and the story about that place and the people that were close to us at that time and sometimes we don't even re- recognize the effects of those relationships in those early till much later in our lives. But that's a time that's so formative. And for me, I was in St. Louis. I'm the youngest of five kids, a big family, lots of different tastes in music. You mentioned that about music. I think the reason I love all these different types of music is because my brothers and sister did and, and my, you know, everyone in our extended family. And um, I was influenced by, what they loved and isn't that kind of the way it goes we we hear and we pay attention and then we take it on and then later it comes out in our lives so for me it came out in this this um, unusual job of doing the singer singer songwriter and music and writing and definitely in a creative space but I don't think I imagined that was what I would do for my life when I was a child I think I was hoping to be a teacher or um, maybe you know just stay at home with kids or I don't know. I, I I didn't really imagine it being quite this way. (laughs) So I will start by saying that. Yeah. And, uh, I have a sister who was seven years older and a brother 10 years older. So I, I Hmm. get that, um, as, as the youngest, we are definitely not the ones who get control (laughs) of the car radio or or anything else. We are, we're just victims of the controlling (laughs) older siblings. Uh, My brother's probably listening to this cracking up right now. Uh, That's so funny. That's true. I love your take on that. 
So, um, you know, as, as we talk about you being a challenge to classify, which is fine with me because I think, I think labels just aren't much good in any kind of life anyway. But who <laughs> would you say were some of the greatest musical influences on you as, as you were growing up and really in your formative years of starting to recognize you had some gifting here? It was really a combination of um, church music on one hand. I loved sitting with the hymnal, and I loved. Um, I also loved songs from musicals and uh, show tunes and pop songs. I loved that. But then on the other side, I the, the as you say, like the car radio was often turned to the Eagles or John Denver, Johnny Cash. Yeah. Um, a lot of what we would call like early Americana music that wasn't. It wasn't really called country music at the time. Now we would probably look back and it has it has some twang, and I would probably call it country music. But it was really coming down the pipeline with mainstream, you know, radio at the time. So that kind of sound was really formative for me. And um, Johnny Cash, especially his storytelling and kind of gravelly voice, it was like it drew me into the song more than just just the voice and i've i really love singers that have a lot of character in their voice for that reason well and i know you've you've done a lot of writing that um songs that other folks have popularized but also i think at last count um 10 solo albums is that correct or have there have been more since then i think there have been a few added in there i mean i think i've lost count (laughs) after a dozen but i think we're at about 14 now and it's been a really uh kind of even in the last couple of years i feel like we've lost track a lot of a lot of things we've been doing and thankfully creativity sometimes comes up in these seasons of disruption so i've been really glad to be able to do some writing in the last few years uh that's that's for sure that's we've we've certainly had the time and the space in Mm -hmm. our in our lives um that the last 18 months that normally Mm -hmm. we wouldn't um it's, it's created some unique opportunities for a lot of things like that. So yeah. um, are you, would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? I would, I'm probably right on the line, but I would lean toward probably introvert. Yeah. Yeah. Cause right. when I was, when I was reading your book and different things, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I connect with Sandra because I am, I am definitely a card carrying introvert, uh, but yet God put this fire in my heart Mm -hmm. to share his word with other people. And that often Mm -hmm. means there's more than three of them in the room, which was Mm -hmm. a, a terrifying thought. And, you know, there's, there's a drain that, that comes with being on that side of the microphone. And, and yet, there's got to be an outlet to share. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering what is draining for you about what you're doing and, and what parts of it mm-hmm. recharge your batteries? You know, that's, I love that question. And I think it's, sometimes we don't pay attention to what the, you know, what I've heard people talk about, like filling your bucket or emptying your bucket, you know, right? <laughs> what are the things that you fill up that are life giving to you? And Um, I do love being with people. I do probably enjoy it most when it's in smaller groups or one-on-one. I think that's more energizing. You can dive a little more deeply with people. And um, 
And then the job that I'm in, it's kind of funny. Back in the day when people played more live music, that's been (laughs) a little slower the last few years. But um, live music, I really enjoy the performance, you know, being in the moment of that. But the travel and the the energy spend of that can be pretty taxing. So it's almost like you feel like, uh, you know, you're professionally, you're a commuter, and then you do some music in between (laughs) your long commute. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I sensed, I, I don't even know where this was in, in what I read, but I sensed a kind of a righteous, balanced fear of of fame, of mm-hmm. being too much out there, of being a public persona. Um, mm-hmm. What what parts of that do scare you and what do you what do you do to guard against it? Hmm. Well, I guess it's, it reminds me of places in scripture that talk about like guarding the wellspring of your heart. Like, what are you actually drawing from? And it would just be so easy to become intoxicated by the flattery or the success or the, you know, kind of the, the, the things that are talking about this, of all the action and all the things you're doing rather than who you are. And I, I think the counterbalance of that is really, the more you're hearing from the outside, whether that's positive or negative, the more feedback you get from the world and from the work and from, um, you know, just your 24 hour day, um, the more we have to hear from God's voice more clearly and more, um, just with the, the way that he speaks truth to us and promises who we are is not based on our performance. I think that's the tricky part of the celebrity and the, you know, success, no matter what your vocation is, you know? Um, but I do think it's, uh, it's a, a human problem that we've always had. (laughs) It's nothing new. And so maturity in, in faith is really this practice of like, you know, hearing the Lord's voice and letting him speak something true, letting him tell us the truth about ourselves and to, to bring conviction and regular confession alongside, everything else we might hear, you know, and I think that really centers me and I really need it. Yeah. When I, when I listen to your songs and a few of them I was familiar with before, and then I've, I've just really saturated myself in your Mm -hmm. music, preparing for this conversation. Um, there is, there is a staggering amount of scripture, but also just biblical metaphors and pictures um, but yet wrapped mm-hmm. in personal experience. Um, talk, talk to us some about how does that creative process unfold in, in your life and ministry? Mm-hmm. I heard this gospel song the other day that, that was um, really a celebration of, um, it's like on this playlist of, of gospel classics, and it was, a song really celebrating how people have prayed for you and brought you to this place. So when I think about my formation and the scripture I memorized, I think about the people that were around me when I was a child that taught me, um, that, that taught me Bible stories that helped me to memorize scripture. My mom was certainly one that was so instrumental in that. Um, but I think it is, it is, we don't really gain, um, 
a knowledge and understanding of scripture in a vacuum. It really happens communally. And so this, that, this song I heard, it's called Somebody Prayed For Me. <laughs> mm. And it was just so beautiful. It was a, a performance. Uh, the artist was Dorothy Norwood. It's probably one that's been sung, you know, a thousand times in, in other variations. But I guess that was, um, I just loved that celebration of how we receive it. And it's not something that we do, but we're given we're given to a community and that by by what happens in that community, when we value scripture, when we value the teaching of theology, when we value the practices of prayer and of, um, and of confession and uh, we submit ourselves to one another, this is the way by which we take, we kind of gain the tools that we're going to need later in our life. And, and so for me, that came out in songwriting in in this primary way that, um, all the scripture memory and, and the words that my mom wrote down on index cards with me when I was even like three and four years old, it, it stayed with me and you're just like a sponge at that age. So the sooner the better, right? And I think we can still memorize things uh, in, well into our adult life, but it's, um, it comes much more easily when we're young and it becomes, it kind of gets, gets inside of us in a way I think that can, um, that can really bear fruit. Mm. We're going to talk more about about your book that's coming out uh, very soon, Send Out Your Light. But somewhere in the early part of that, you wrote these words. You said, the most central influence on my writing has been Scripture itself. God's Word has informed the way I interpret the world, the way I engage in relationships, and in the way I feel about what I sing. At the intersection mm-hmm. of songs and Scripture, I have found friendship with Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. That is a... That is a beautiful but also powerful statement. Um, I want to I want to explore that in a lot more depth in a minute, but um, want to give an opportunity right now for everybody to hear along that same line about a resource from Walk Through the Bible that tries to exactly do that in each of our lives. So we'll be right back in a minute or so. Rest often feels like an elusive goal in a world that never seems to shut down, or even slow down. Given all the demands on our time, energy, and resources, our longing for calm, quiet, and stillness seems unrealistic and impossible. Complete with Bible verses, helpful stories, and practical application, Rest offers short devotions on a variety of everyday issues that will leave you refreshed and help you deepen your walk with God so you can serve Him more fully. This book will speak to the heart of any woman looking to meet with God in a new way. Rest is an invitation for you to spend a few minutes each day in quiet contemplation with the only source of true peace and restoration, God Himself. Find it in our store at walkthrough.org shop. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G slash S-H-O-P. Welcome back to Step Into the Story and our continuing conversation with uh, Sandra McCracken. Sandra, we've just been talking about the role of Scripture in your life and um, just just how central that was. And you gave us a, a little glimpse into your home growing up with your your mom writing out verses on cards and scripture memory. I, I agree. It was a lot easier a long time ago than it is now, but it's, uh, it's, it's still, it's still just something that we definitely need. Um, you, you wrote 
this new book called Send Out Your Light. And I want to dig a little bit deep into that if I could. But um, you say in here, I started writing early. I wrote in notebooks, on line sheets of paper, used envelopes, anything I could find. I'm not a disciplined journal writer, but I have kept up with writing in one form or another, scribbles, prayers, and poems for most of my life. Writing helps me to know my thoughts more clearly. I need to refer back to it for insight or for comfort or for songwriting. Most of my songs have germinated in one way or another within the pages of my journal. Do you remember how old you were when you started writing down your thoughts? Um, I do remember that I had a teacher when I was in high school and I was leaving high school who handed me a journal as a graduation gift. And up until that point, um, her name was Mrs. Lewis and she was just the kind of teacher that you did what she said. She just, um, (laughs) I just respected her so much. And um, in fact, I don't even think I had her in class, but I was just so aware of her presence in the school and her leadership and her spiritual leadership, especially. So she handed me this book and, um, I still have it on my shelf. And I think her naming that for me really gave it a little bit more shape, but I had been writing and I can go back and see like all these scribbles and notebook paper and various types of form, but forms, but it, it had been, it had been there. And then all of a sudden I marked a beginning. And then after that there, you know, just a string of journals that um, are, on various shelves in my house at this point still. So, and I don't even keep them all, honestly. It's not that I go back and read them, but I think that, that marking and sometimes just putting pen to paper in connection with how we study the Bible or what we're memorizing, we something comes out and we can name things that we couldn't see before. Mm. Yeah, I man, just to be perfectly honest, that is probably the single discipline of the Christian life that I have not just struggled with, but, but Mm -hmm. failed in to the point of giving up when one of the times when we moved (laughs) houses, I found a box of, it was probably seven or eight years of journals. Again, my mom had Mm -hmm. bought them for me. Some of them were nice looking. They were like expensive. (laughs) They were at least fake leather, if not real leather. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd open it up and Sometime between about January 8th and January 31st, it would stop. Mm -hmm. And I'd Mm -hmm. flip through it and, okay, there's a random entry in in June, a couple of days, and ah, it stopped again. And and the the guilt-inducing nature of even that topic, um, for for people like me and and others, that that doesn't just flow— um, do you have a couple suggestions? Because because mm. some of it is I, I mean, am I writing a diary? If I am, can I be real? Because mm. what if anybody ever finds this? Am I writing <laughs> this to eventually use publicly? Because then it's got to be perfect grammar. Mm. I mean, what? How? Give th- th- throw me throw me a rope here, Sandra, and and well, help me know how to have a little freedom and joy in this area. As we know, with any kind of um, spiritual disciplines or just disciplines, at, you know, in general, that the the killer is really when you start feeling shame and guilt. And it's just not, it's not a motivator. It is not something that um, continues to push us toward it. And, and I think about I, when you're talking, I was thinking about every year 
you, you drive by the YMCA or the, the local gymnasium, I mean, like the gym memberships that are nearby, and they all have these discounts in January because they want everybody to start the routine. Right. And everybody's excited, and then it lasts two weeks. And then, <laughs> then they offer another special. But I think what, what begins to um, really light up for me is just recognizing that God is excited to meet with us and not that we have to do it, but that when we do it, and there's this mutual joy that happens when we come and, and maybe we just need to lower the bar on feeling like we have to go and do some work for him, mm-hmm. because I don't think that's what it's about. I think one small thing that can help and that has helped me, especially um, in times when there was a lot of stress or a lot of transition, would just be to borrow others, like a devotional book or a prayer book that's like simple and that doesn't have a lot of homework. and then. And then another option would be if you don't want to do any of that, if you have a blank notebook paper, just write two or three verses from the scripture, like take a book like the Gospel of John or Hebrews or choose something and just write a couple of words and sit with those words and pray through them. Write them once on the page in your own hand and don't feel any pressure to have any of your own thoughts or contributions and let the spirit do the work. And that's, I think when that starts to, it's, it's better than the YMCA discount because you start to realize that God is excited and he is, he is like racing towards you. He's like the prodigal father, you know, the father of the prodigal who's running to meet you in that moment. And he's going to pour out gifts that are uniquely for you and for this day and for this moment that, you know, 24 hours before you, you didn't need them in the same way that you need them right now. And maybe tomorrow it's going to be a different thing. It's like mm-hmm. manna falling. It's like, just be in that moment and, um, and let him do the work, let the spirit do the work. I think, I think that's where the joy really comes in. And the joy is the part that keeps you coming back. All right. All right. I'm going to give some of that a try. <laughs> I, 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 I will, I will let you know. Um, let, let's talk about your new book. When does it come out? It comes out September 28th. Okay, so real soon. And it's called Send Out Your Light. And you say in the book that it really, it really divides into three parts. There's, there's a lot more chapters than that, but it's kind of three parts, uh, three sections. Can you, can you talk us through those three parts? um, Just kind of briefly? Yes. So, um, the outline that I kind of hinged all the stories on was based on just the first part is discovery, like that God has placed within each of us our own song, our own voice, our own way of responding to him that's unique. And um, and so it's this discovery of who we are and, and the light that he's placed in our hearts. And then the second part is, is the inevitable season where the light that he's given us is tested. And there's maybe darkness or there's... Um, there's like even just the transition of the struggle and the strain of this life. And as we move through that, we discover even greater intimacy with him because he presses in and you can see the contrast between his light, even in darkness. And then the third part is really meant to be um, a hopeful vision of where we're going, that there is this like gospel imagination that we are given by the spirit that says there's a new Jerusalem. There's going to be a new um, like all the things that are broken now will be made new. So the whole last third and final part of the book, which to me is in a sense, the most important is just like to live into the promises that God has 
um, making all things new and that he's doing it now, but he's, that future vision is so important to the moment that we're enduring in the present. Right. Right. You know, when I was, when I was reading your book, I, I thought, okay, all right. So there's kind of three phases, which phase am I in? And I was really glad somewhere later in the book, you made it really clear that these aren't just linear. Like, Mm, are you in stage one, stage two, stage three, but, but there is a cyclical nature to this and walk through the Bible Mm -hmm. does teaching, I think in about 130 countries around the world. And it's, it's, it's so Western of us to want to break stuff into stages and the (laughs) stages are always in this order. And it's so cool that even some of the materials Mm -hmm. that we've created here, I, I watch people maybe in Asia or parts of Africa teach it. And, you know, maybe I, I helped birth that course and then I hear them teach it and use the same scriptures, the same workbook, the same visuals. And I'm like, wow, did I miss it? You know, because it's yeah. not linear. A lot of it is way more, more secular, uh, um, mm-hmm. secular, cyclical, Circul- yeah, circular, circular yeah, or cyclical. cyclical, pick one, don't merge those words. That's right. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I thought you did a really, really, really good job communicating that. And we, we've talked some about some of the early discovery times in your life. We didn't talk about the years at, at, at Belmont where, you know, really you got affirmation that you had gift and began to get opportunities. But especially that, that second, that second mm-hmm. time when the, when the light gets tested, is the light really more powerful than the darkness? Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're comfortable opening up your life some. Tell us about some of the hard things that God took you into that, that really put the light to the test, like you write about. Yeah, you know, the, my upbringing was a rich, um, t- like teaching around worldview and theology and understanding of all those things. Um, I know how important it was for me. And then I think there was also a point where it really hit home, you know, where it really was moments where that is tested. If, if, if you're really relying upon all the um, secondary means of grace in your life. So um, I would give an example of, I remember one of my mom's dear friends when, when I was a kid, her husband was sick with cancer. And I remember that, um, her song that she kept going back to was this hymn that said, whatever my God ordains is right. And I was so, um, I was so drawn to the mystery of that because I watched her struggle and I watched her eventually lose her husband to illness. And yet she affirmed that God was good in the midst of it. And so that made an impact on me as a child, but I didn't know that firsthand. I knew that from her story. And so I kind of took it to heart. And then you fast forward to just times in my own life. And I, I certainly had some, um, some loss and some displacement where I had, um, you know, I, I went through a a divorce and in, in that time, it was so shocking. It was kind of, I would, I would kind of compare it to something that just felt like it happened overnight. And, um, and so in that way, I think at that time, everything else was taken away. And so you go back to these early memories of what are the things you believe to be true? What is my home? And I went to Psalm 63 and I went to Psalm 62. That was 
said, okay, this psalm is telling me that my soul finds rest in God alone. So I knew that before, but now I really have to hang on to that. And then when you're not hanging on to anything else, um, you realize that it is enough. And it's still enough when you have other support around you, but it's enough if it's all that you have. And when you get to experience that, and I say get to because I, I recognize that suffering is unavoidable and it's also meant for our good and his glory. And Romans tells us that it's all through the scripture and it's a hard teaching until you're clinging to it. And then you realize this stuff is like meant to bring us comfort, not theological debate, (laughs) you know, and and theological debate is important. And I I think we should have rigorous debate and we should love and, and, um, and really speak well with each other in those moments. But not when your life has fallen apart and your heart's breaking in two. It's not real helpful at times like that. That's right. So we, you know, it's like we have this foundation of theology, but um, it's a trust fall at some point. And then we, we find that the Lord really does hold us. And then you see these images like, like him being a, a, like a mother bird. Right. And that, that he, he hovers over and that he carries, he covers over us like with his feathers. And you just see some of these images that are so kind of strange and almost like a children's storybook. And then in moments when you, you really rest in those images because they're they're holding you together and they're holding giving you where you might need it. Mm. Yeah, one of the courses walk through the Bible created a few years ago is a course called Chosen, um, which looks at at the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and you know you think about all the things that she had planned her upcoming marriage with Joseph and the uh, you know she'd probably already rented the synagogue mm-hmm. and got the the chisel artist ready to do some sketches and Caleb's catering was lined up and all that. And all of a sudden, all of that was gone because mm-hmm. of what we know as gospel good news. But I don't think it felt like very good news at the moment. And I, mm-hmm. I, I wrote something down that we have used in that course. I, I said, like Mary, sometimes our dream has to die for God's dream to be birthed in us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as I, as I read your book, I, I felt the pain of the disappointment and the loss with all of that. Um, mm-hmm. and yet, and yet God used that to take you deeper. And, you know, you had already yeah. been having a lot of ministry and the sending out of the light, which is the third part of the book, mm-hmm. but wow, a whole lot mm-hmm. brighter against the backdrop of that darkness and, a whole lot broader in its reach. And um, I doubt Mm. you could have had the authenticity that you have now without going through Mm. those hard times. No doubt. It has, has been um, like a a slow and uh, that Psalm itself talks about um, Psalm 43, which is the title of this book is based on send out your light. It starts with a complaint and in that first part of the psalm, it's like it's you see the confusion of the writer, like the writer, um, the psalmist is saying, like, um, uh, vindicate me. I, this is not what I thought. This is not what I expected. You hear the disappointment and the, the bitterness. And and then in the middle of this, in the middle of the psalm, it moves toward this. Um, what I think is the high point, which is send out your light and your truth and let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy hill. And so it moves from like asking for the light to go forward 
And then it goes straight into worship. And then the last part of the psalm, the last four verses are really just this declaration that God is our joy. And I think the I've been so drawn to that psalm that psalm has been chasing me around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I would hear it at all these different times. I'm like, oh, there it is again. And and so I, I feel like it has marked it has marked my story, and I'm, I'm really thankful for it. Mm. It's cool. I won't wreck this because I want people to read your, your book, Send Out Your Light. But uh, God has also then rebuilt a lot of the things that the enemy took away. And, mm, absolutely. and uh, he's proven himself faithful in the hardest, lowest moments of your life. But mm. then he's yeah. also now given you back uh, more than you lost. You, you want to say a that. word or two about that? <laughs> Yes, I'm so glad you said that because I think that's what, um, you know, my, I have a, um, I have a little boy upstairs who's um, two years old, never would have imagined, you know, Tim and I have been married for three years. We, I have, um, so three children, my two older kids and the rhythms of this house are a demonstration that God is not finished with the story until he's finished with the story. And he just, keeps on writing redemptive story of, of our lives. He is writing a letter of our lives. He is, you know, um, taking every detail and weaving it together again for, for our good and for his glory. And so I've just begun to like open up my prayers to say, man, I don't really know what I'm asking for because you know better than I do what I need and you know it before I ask. And so it, it really changes the nature of our complaint. So I can still go back and read Psalm 43, but I know the end of the psalm is mm. coming. Mm. And so there's this anticipation that as he continues to offer his abundance, um, this is who he is and how he is um, at work. Mm, mm, mm. You quote N.T. Wright, who's one of my favorite writers and just, I think, one of the clearest theological thinkers of our generation Um, I know you're probably paraphrasing what he said, but he said psalms were written for people who were metaphorically living inside a closed shoebox. The Mm -hmm. psalms themselves are like tiny holes poked in the lid of the box, causing streams of light to beam down on the ones who live inside. Um, I just, I probably read that about five times, um, Back to back to back, I think that's I think that's a powerful metaphor, and I, I guess this mm-hmm. is about as great a place to land this conversation as any because, <laughs> you know, I mean the the way things have been the last year and a half, um, there are a lot of people feeling like I'm in a shoebox. I can't get out of my house. I can't travel. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. Um, my wife is is pretty claustrophobic by nature. And I have not Mm. even read her the shoebox quote. She'd probably um, (laughs) run outside screaming if she heard that. But, But the thought that the Psalms themselves are like the tiny holes poked in the lid of the box that Mm. let the light in. And uh, I was not a Psalm lover growing up. I kind of didn't get them. It's like, where's the plot? Where's the main characters? Where's the (laughs) storyline? And, and then also going, this guy, David, is more messed up than I am. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the things, he, why doesn't he proofread his prayers like I do? Well, he understood <laughs> that God was already reading his thoughts. But the, this, mm-hmm. this picture of the Psalms and really all of Scripture 
uh, playing that role in our lives. I would just say to all of us who are in on this conversation today, not not just you and me, Sandra, but whatever you're going through right now and, and whatever you feel caged in by, whatever you feel restrained by, to realize that the Psalms and really all the scriptures are those those holes that are poked in the lid of the box. And um, Sandra, thank you that, that you have invested mm-hmm. your life um, being one of the instruments God uses to make those holes. You and I aren't the light. Walk through the Bible isn't the light. Mm-hmm. Um, you right. know, but we get to sometimes make those indentations mm-hmm. in people's lives that create <laughs> the opportunity for the truth to flow in. And, and mm-hmm. I just thank you for the way that you've done that now for, for a couple of decades. But, but wow, the message you have to share now, you understand things about God that you wouldn't have understood had you not mm-hmm. been through the really hard times. And I, my prayer for you, Sandra, is that God will open up more and more uh, doors of opportunity for you, but that he'll He'll find, help you find a way to keep the balance and to put the priority on the, the little ones in your house and this relatively mm-hmm. new marriage, uh, but keep writing and keep sharing. And um, just you. invite everyone to, to dive into the book, send out your light. It impacted me greatly. And, um, but but keep, keep it up with the music too, because um, w- different ones of us respond to different things. And thank mm-hmm. you for your ministry. Thank you for showing us what it means to trust God, even when it's really hard. Thank you, Phil. I really appreciate your questions and thoughtfulness around all that. It's, um, it's a good reflection on um, what carries us through and, and what brings that light into our own hearts. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today on Step Into the Story. Um, hope that you'll share this with friends. If, if you know folks right now that are going through a tough time, if, if they're in that dark shoebox surrounded by who knows what, um, there is light. And mm-hmm. uh, for you to look for an opportunity, maybe even use this conversation, share it with a friend, and um, let's, let's create more opportunities for God's light to invade the darkness of our toughest times. Sandra, thank you again. And everybody else, thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you next time on Step Into the Story. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk Through the Bible. Take a walk. Change the world.